You're listening to Extra Innings, presented by Next Level Training Center on the Sports Objective. Join us every Sunday night on Facebook Live and our YouTube channel as we talk East Carolina baseball. Welcome into Extra Innings right here, uh, presented by Next Level Training Center in Greenville. Our good friends, uh, Trent Britt and Gaynell Britt, we appreciate them very much for the sponsorship of the show. And WrestleMania is on tonight. And I tell you what, we had WrestleMania. We had a wrestling match earlier in Cincinnati. We'll get to that uh, this weekend. Bubba, we've got a very special guest. One of our all-time favorites uh, is back with us tonight as we have a, a very special guest. Yeah, to take a look back at the, the Pirates' 2-2 two and two week, um, like you said, that included a series win, a hard-fought series win up at Cincinnati. I'm very excited to welcome Coach O back. Uh, Coach, how are you? Uh, really good, Bubba, and thanks for having me. Good to be with you and Dave both. I guess this was really, uh, Coach, <laughs> we'll get back to the – we'll backtrack on the week, but uh, today was definitely a rubber match, and it, uh, we were talking in the green room. I, I guess it really comes down to Will and the – you know, the one of the things that I brag about uh, Coach Godwin is uh, the term, if you had one word I could say about Coach Godwin is grit. And I think that um, that prevailed today. And I know that he always talks about mental toughness. Um, it's not the physicality like we would think about him um, in football, but there's some sense of that when uh, the mental toughness of the game that, you know, some people think that it's so easy and they don't realize how hard it is to hit a 90 mile an hour fastball much less uh, the different types of breaking balls, sliders. And um, I, I really was impressed the way that we pulled that out. And uh, one question I had to you, Coach, is uh, before we get started on the this past week, a look, a recap is, do you have any wild games that come to mind? I know you won so many games, but are there ones that are some of your favorites that you could share some light and some stories for us? Well, the, the ones that I think of, Dave, uh, we actually didn't win. And so that makes it a, a little less pleasurable. But uh, uh, I do remember an extremely high-scoring game. Both of these games actually were at home uh, and uh, late in the season, and it was two pretty good clubs in the old uh, Colonial Athletic Association days. Uh, we actually were playing George Mason both of those times, and both were tied for first base, uh, first place. Uh the one that uh, stands out the most was uh, one of those score, uh, uh, games where we ended up losing something. I, I can't remember the exact score, but it was something like 21 to uh, uh, 16. And it was, wow. it, it was that way. Well, it was a day that the wind was blowing out. It was a late, uh, uh, a late season game, strong wind and uh, uh, pop-ups were going out as home runs. You might say it, it, it was more of a live ball era back then too. But um, uh, yeah, it, it was like we would we would take the lead, they would take the lead, and so forth. And then we hit a we hit a point where, as they continued scoring, we just didn't catch up. But uh, it, it was a wild day, somewhat like today, but uh, the wrong team won. And then there was another where we actually um, uh, we were pretty far behind, and uh, uh, it was something like a nine to two score. And then in the last two innings. Uh, we, uh, we we made a push, tied the game, went into extra innings, and we lost there. But uh, it, it was uh, uh, something brought that back as a memory today when I, I noticed pinch runners being used. 
And, and I was not a big proponent of pinch runners back in those days, unless you needed to. And, and there were times you ab absolutely had to, like you needed speed on second base uh, when a runner was in scoring position. But in that particular day, um, we had a, a, a DH that was a power hitter and, and he got on base and uh, uh, I heard a lot of calls about uh, using a pinch runner. He was not a, certainly not a speedster by any means. And I remember turning to my assistant and making the comment, our only chance of winning this game is getting him back to the plate one more time. He actually did. He hit a home run and that game went into extra innings. We just didn't win. But uh, uh, yeah, they're, they're wild games. But uh, also to mention about today's game uh, and, and Cliff being gritty, as you called it, uh, what was so impressive about today's game, uh, Pirates lost uh, game one of the series. And in order to win the series, uh, a little pressure on winning two straight on the road. Uh, they won yesterday. And then after blowing a six-run lead today, um, take the lead again, pad the lead, and then lose it again. So uh, for the Pirates to come back like they did, so, so impressive. And and I'm sure Coach Godwin was, was managing his bullpen today probably in a manner that what is needed right now at this moment. Not two innings from now, not three, but at this moment. And it worked. It, it certainly uh, came to fruition. Uh, you and I talked earlier um, off the air about uh, the depth of this bullpen, and he handled it very well today. Uh, I'm sure the plane ride home tonight is going to be really good because that was a series win that was in question 48 hours ago. Now, Coach O, um, Charles chimed in on Facebook, and I want to go ahead and ask this question because you know you referenced it and already touched on it a little right there as far as the game today. Pirates use 11 pitchers. I think at least about eight or nine of those were already used by the fifth or sixth inning. And then, fortunately, Ben Terwilliger came on and had a terrific uh, two and two-thirds um, innings of work. But um, before we hone in more on his performance and talk about the series as, as a whole, um wanted to touch on, you know, what you were just saying as far as why we use so many pitchers today and uh, elaborate a little bit more on that because Charles was saying, uh, why do we use 10 pitchers a game? Well, in a high-scoring game, sometimes that's what it takes. And this was definitely a high-scoring game. Uh, I wish I had the box score in front of me, but uh, I was telling Dave earlier, I know headed into the ninth inning, we had 16 hits. I think Cincinnati at the time had 12 uh, it, it was just it, it was an offensive explosion by both clubs. And uh, that uh, is why I used the reference to uh, regardless of whether it was 10, 8, 6, 15, uh, you, you pitch for the moment. In other words, if you need Cooch Maynard to come in to pitch to a left handed hitter, you you do so. And then um, uh, if you have to go to Spivey, who just threw yesterday, uh, we can go on and on. Regardless of the circumstance, it's uh, finish this inning and then go from there. And as the Pirates were doing so and sometimes couldn't finish innings, but as the Pirates were finishing innings, what Coach Godwin was looking for was somebody that could sustain part of the game. And that's exactly what Ben Terwilliger did. Um, I'm not sure if he came in in the sixth or seventh, but he got the Pirates not in position, but kept them in position to capture that win. Now, fortunately, we held on at the last moment, ninth inning. It was a little scary at that point, but Ben got us to that point and kept us there for some length of time 
that's what Coach Godwin was looking for. Uh, to answer our listeners' question, he was trying to find the person who was going to eat up maybe two, three innings, and Ben did just that. And, Coach O, um, you brought up on not having the box score in front of you. Out of the Pirates' 11 pitchers, seven of those pitchers um, saw two-thirds of an inning or less, including three, uh, Bill Mayhew and Saylor, uh, who – you know, through nine, 15, and six pitches respectively and did not record an out, um, which drives home your points as far as just finding a guy that uh, that's when Coach made the change of bringing Zach Agnos uh, to the mound from shortstop. You know, Bubba, uh, the names that you mentioned, uh, it's really hard to imagine that the Pirates won today without a really good sailor, a really good Mayhew, a really good Spivey, and the guys who have carried them through the bullpen. Now, that doesn't mean that they have been um, uh, better than the others. It just means that they've been more productive in their outings, and yet today we're not. Pirates still win. Someone stepped up. And, Coach, we were talking about on, uh, off the air, rather, that uh, it seems like even when I was coaching my son at Farm League, uh, we're looking now at uh, Little League my son has moved up now. It doesn't matter what level, all the way up to Major League Baseball. By the way, folks, it starts thankfully on Thursday. But we uh, we were talking about uh, in the green room before the show that getting that third out is so difficult. And you're looking at a game, and I know it sounds I'm not being condescending, but if you look at it, we're playing for 27 outs and and breaking it down to you can go inning by inning or whatever you have to do. But um, I don't know necessarily that. Uh, we were having a question about pitching. I just think that there's sometimes when it's like life, things happen, and how do you react to when things are – what I'm impressed about today, Coach, the one major, major point I want to make tonight, I'm impressed with the fact that things were not going necessarily our way after we built that that lead. We could have uh, We could have literally just rolled over and taken the loss and get back on the plane ride and come home. Instead – we, we found a way to win. So, you know, people used to say to me all the time as a basketball coach, well, that was an ugly win. I don't use that term ugly win because people don't realize until you've coached, you have know-how uh, Bubba has, you uh, the three of us have on this panel, uh, wins are difficult to come by. They really are. And, and you're right. I, I just think it has to be a happy group tonight, not because they won the, the season. I mean, the season. Uh, they have to play another three-game series against Cincinnati, but – uh, because they won this series. No, uh, the reason they're happy is by the way they won, how they won. Um, the things, the many, many things it took to win that game, and it wasn't just one or two. Um, and, and the game actually changed three to four times uh, in the last half of the game. So uh, uh, yeah, yeah, they have to be proud. They have to be very, very happy. And games like this can uh, be a little bit of a surge. It can be a shot in the arm. Uh, sometimes you can play like that. Going back to your original statement, though, Dave, uh, when you're playing an offensive game and uh, things are just going so just that, offensive is not going well for pitchers, uh, defense isn't playing so great, but more important, uh, teams are scoring, uh, a lot of hits, a lot of runs, and so forth, then players seem to think they don't, they're not going to make that last out. And they're not looking at scoring one run, but even with two outs, they're looking at scoring multiple runs, or uh, we like to call it a crooked number. And it, it uh, it's a mentality thing. And because it's a mentality thing, 
that's there's a lot of confidence brewing with those guys bats in their hands and and it's uh, uh it is a totally different game it's not like a two nothing one nothing two one game it, it's uh it, it's a game where the offense feels like it's going to score regardless and coach um you know after being shut out in the midweek against NC State, two to nothing. Um, NC State this weekend they went down, took two out of three at Clemson. So a tremendous series win for the Wolfpack. But um, before we talk more about what happened up at Cincinnati, um, go back to that game against the Wolfpack. Um, you know you, you were there on hand for that one. Um, just what were your thoughts um, on the way that game unfolded? Pirates pitched very well, uh, allowed just. Two runs on eight hits. Uh, seven of those eight hits were uh, singles. And then they did an excellent job keeping uh, Tommy Tanks, as they call him, Tommy White, in check, uh, allowing just the two singles to him. But um, Pirates just could not get the bats going on the Wolfpack uh, through four arms. And Payne, Silver, Nelson, and Villeman uh, uh, just threw um, very well. Well, uh, Pirate pitching. I think that game was indicative of what the pirate pitchers have been through this year. And that is that they really have done a good job. That game could have slipped away at any time. And uh, uh, the pitching staff, as a matter of fact, every pitcher who threw in that game actually uh, had to rise to an occasion just to keep the game in check. We all kept thinking that uh, the pirates would score later in the game, only three hits for the day. And, and um, it, it wasn't it wasn't a game that uh, that the Pirates were able to win. I think the biggest reason for that, Bubba, you just mentioned, and and when you finish with a guy like Villeman, he's one of the best in the country. Uh, he's not the best. I know D1 Baseball came out with their top 100, but um, and he he was up there near the top. But um, uh, all all four of the guys they threw were really good that day. And uh, uh, it, it was just tough on pirate hitters, but uh, it was a game that the pirates were, I, I think you, I, and all fans were waiting for the pirates just to take the game or to win the game because the pirates were keeping the Wolfpack where we wanted them, but it was just not to be. It was, it was, there was uh, maybe, maybe that was a credit to the NC state staff, but uh, I, I just don't think the pirate uh, hitters made quite the adjustments needed uh, or even used a sense of urgency late in the game to capture that game. But, yeah, that was a big win for the Wolfpack. And, and this weekend, uh, uh, another series win for them as well. And you mentioned that name, Carter Spivey. Um, that was a game against the Wolfpack. If the Pirates would have been able to muster some offense and come back and win that game, uh, Carter Spivey's um, relief effort uh, would have – Certainly been a large reason for that. Four and two-thirds of shutout relief and um, allowed just two hits, four strikeouts, two walks. Yeah, he, he was on top of his game. And and uh, those names that we mentioned earlier, um, we've seen that also from Saylor. We've seen it from Mayhew. Uh, but uh, I, I think the of the three, um, Carter Spivey has been the name that has surfaced this year uh, because he had, he had not had a great career until this year. Now, uh, just what he's done on the mound thus far warrants, um, I think, words of, of not just encouragement, but uh, acknowledgement um, uh, for being being a, a, a pirate pitcher uh, who can carry a lot of pride with him through the rest of his uh, 
not just career, but also later on as well. And coach, we always say with uh, pitchers that need some help as far as getting the runs are going. My great uncle uh, is Roger Craig, and he was the very first, if you want to win a bar bet, he was the very first pitcher ever for the Mets in 1962. And uh, he lost a lot of games uh, with the Mets. It would be like 2-1, 1-0, a lot of one-run games. And so I'm thinking about this pitching staff. Anytime I see the Pirates and they have, you know, like that game, I was just shaking my head on Tuesday. I'm like, uh, it's an in-state rival. You want to beat NC State really bad. But just looking like, can we get uh, the bat swinging to help these pitchers out? And I don't know. I'm not an expert. You are more than I am for sure, without a doubt. But I just don't know how to get those. How do you get those bats swinging to to help out the pitchers? Well, I think I think what uh, Cliff Godwin's trying to do, and that's well, it's pretty obvious that he is um, he's changing lineups. He's he's moving people around in the order. That that's a big factor. But he's also playing a lot of people, and he's trying to find the right combinations. You made a comment earlier, Dave, about sometimes it takes the length of a season to get where you want to go or to get to be where you, you, you feel like you need to be. Uh, this may be one of those that just takes longer than others, but by playing a lot of people um, we've seen Jenkins Cowart surface. Uh, we've seen Clanch surface. Now we're seeing Starling surface. So uh, some players are moving, moving into the lineup that are posting some pretty good numbers. Um, it, it didn't always a good number, but at the same time, uh, they've been pretty steady. Uh, all, all of these young guys that we're, we're mentioning. So what do you have to do as far as a mechanical thing? Not at all. I, I think there are some mental things. I'm, I used the term sense of urgency a little bit earlier. I don't think it was there for the uh, NC State game. But uh, other than that, other than the mental part of the game, I just think the right combinations have to be found. And, and I think uh, Cliff Godwin's going to find those. Coach, going back to the Cincinnati series, and, and we have not touched on Friday's game. Uh, Jake Cooch-Mayner has been uh, very good this year. Um, but on Friday, probably Cooch's uh, roughest outing of the year, uh, just an inning in two-thirds, five runs, four earned on four hits. Uh, and he only threw – he threw 40 pitches in those inning in two-thirds. So and that's obviously one of the things that allowed him to come back today. Yeah. Uh, you're right. Uh, he he had uh, a limited number of pitches um, on Friday, but uh, coming into the series, Bubba, uh, Cincinnati, not a bad hidden club and uh, two, three players that are really, really good. Uh, but uh, when you, when you compare their offensive numbers to their pitching numbers, it's uh, they're diametrically opposed, you might say. And uh, their pitching staff, uh, had a lot of trouble getting us out the last two days, but uh, not their offense. Their hitters can hit. Well, my point, I'm not sure that they didn't just, uh, what's the football term, punch us in the face from the beginning. I think they walked in the park and hit us flat, uh, and, and Cooch Maynard took the brunt of that on Friday. Uh, we were behind, and we were, we were behind the eight ball uh, from the second inning on. Uh, it, it was a game of catch-up. But uh, all of that was due to Cincinnati's hitters and uh, a credit to them because they are pretty good. And from that point, after after Cooch was uh, lifted from the game, Garrett Saylor um, was excellent. Three and a third, uh, allowed just one run on one hit, seven strikeouts and no free passes. And it gave the Pirates a chance to come back. But the, 
the Pirates were unable to really get the bats going. Um, they did make some things happen happen late, which maybe carried over into Saturday and Sunday, um, where the offense was um, very good, as you've mentioned. But uh, Connor Lynn um, got the victory for Cincinnati, allowing just one run on five hits in six innings. Yeah, you mentioned Carter Spivey last Tuesday and then Sailor uh, in the Friday game, Terwilliger today. Um, you know, uh, as good as the Pirate pen has been, when they throw back-to-back days or maybe even all three days of a weekend, uh, they seem to lose a little of that effectiveness. And that's because uh, their their arms are not really trained to go uh, that large of a, an amount of innings, although uh, I credit Cliff Godwin, I'm like Dave, I credit him for what he's done and what he's trying to do uh, to find that combination. And um, from from a pitching standpoint, uh, again, you pitch in the moment at times, and that ha- that occurred today. But um, uh, each of those guys, um, you mentioned three and a third, or or four and two thirds, I think was the case with uh, Spivey the other day. Yes, yes, all of those guys have have uh, held the Pirates or, or kept the Pirates into games. Or, or kept uh, kept pirate leads intact, but a lot of good things have come out of that bullpen this year, and and um, uh, Sailor was certainly that way on Friday. And coach, the other thing to keep in mind: not only do I I love uh, Coach Godwin for the fact that he's playing a lot of players, he he cares about the kids, their their future, as far as if they have a chance to be the MLB, and we're in a certainly in a success, you know, wins and losses business. He could easily say, well, I'm just going to keep the guy out there. The other thing is I would say to the fans that when you're asking, are we pitch- using too many pitchers, it could be the reverse where Coach Godwin says, um, A, I don't have enough pitching today, so I've got to go with this guy longer than I want to. Or B, he could be stubborn, hypothetically speaking, and keep a guy that he uh, loves in too long, and we could, you know, lost the game. So there's there's many different ways to look at it. And I will never question you or Cliff Godwin because y'all forgot more about baseball than I'll ever know. So that's what I would say to fans is there's there's a, the old t- term that I'll tell people, not that you guys need my to uh, to defend you guys, but I would just say this. There's a method to his madness, and there's a reason why he's doing it. It's not because he's just, let's try something, let's try something. He has a reason why he's doing it. You know, uh, another uh, point to that, Dave, you're exactly right. Um, why, why do we use so many pitchers and, and why do we uh, keep pitchers in a short period of time? You know, a lot of, a lot of teams have a true number one and, and it's rare to see a season where so many teams do not have a number one ECU this year. And, and Jake Kuchmaner has done a great job. I taking nothing away from him. He, he's done. He, he's been outstanding. But a true number one, a Friday night guy, a shutdown guy, a guy that you're going to run out there and you feel like you have a really, really good chance to win every time he goes out, much like Gavin Williams was last year, the Pirates don't have. And with that being the case, maybe you don't have a five-inning guy, six-inning guy, seven-inning guy, which is why you have to go three innings into the fourth. Uh, Hey, Tampa Bay does it. You know, it's they do it in pro ball and uh, they go to their bullpen early. So it it, it it's not just a ploy, but it, it's one means of pitching around the fact that there's no true number one. 
Coach, um, moving on to Saturday's game, um, the Pirates were able to, uh, after a couple of scoreless innings, uh, push to run across in the third. And then it remained one to nothing until the sixth. And in the sixth, man, um, you mentioned that name, Jacob Jenkins Cowart. Uh, what a freshman season he's having. He hit one up on the top of the fifth third arena out in right field. Uh, it had to be about 400 feet or more. Yeah, his home run, uh, three-run home run, I believe, Bubba uh, opened that game. Yeah, that's correct. And uh, uh, in so doing, uh, now Cliff Godwin takes a different approach. Uh, in, instead of running pitchers out there just to pitch in the moment, now what he's basically trying to do is to close the game. And when I say close the game, he's doing so um, over a over about a three to four inning span. He knows what he's going to do next inning, the following, the following. So it isn't a, a game like today that was in the moment. Jenkins Cowart's blast was huge. Uh, uh, again, we, we're going to go to the bullpen. We're going to use multiple pitchers, but in a different light. And uh, when we say Jenkins Cowart, uh, let's go back to the Charleston series when Cam Clanch was given his chance. First two games of that series, he had seven hits. And um, I think there were a couple of home runs in there as well. So his opportunity came, Jenkins Cowart's opportunity came. Uh, again, we talk about Starling, who's playing a lot of second base now. And uh, I, I know this is a little off the subject, but Starling's play is enhancing the fact that Ryder Giles can focus more on pitching and maybe be the number two guy like he was this weekend and solidify a win because he's been one of the most effective Pirate starters thus far. You mentioned Ryder Giles. Um, we had Mike Radford uh, chiming in saying, how do you evaluate the conversion of RG3 uh, to weekend starter? And um, I mentioned that 4 nothing lead that the Pirates um, were able to take in the middle innings. Um, getting uh, Carrying that one nothing advantage to the sixth uh, was largely because of another terrific start by Ryder Giles. Uh, four and a third um, shutout baseball as he has not allowed a run yet uh, all season long. Four hits, four strikeouts, two walks, um, and a career-high 70 pitches in the last – Two starts, he thrown, I think, 52, 53 pitches. So uh, far and away the most pitches Ryder's thrown and um, maybe going a little deeper in the game than uh, some thought he would. He's also, Bubba, I think we all would agree that he's also going a little further each time out, which is a really good sign. Now, I go back to the fact that uh, there's a lack of a, a number one uh, or a Friday night guy or a, a true number one. And uh, what we're seeing, uh, we're seeing guys come out of the bullpen at 92, 93. Uh, certainly, um, uh, Carter Spivey can do that. Uh, Sailor's more of a 91 guy, but uh, uh, you have your Savage, who's throwing a little bit more now, uh, and he's a 93 guy. Uh, even Agnos has touched 93 on a few occasions. But uh, point being, uh, when you're a guy like Ryder Giles and you don't throw hard, uh, you can't make many mistakes. And because uh, uh, there's a, a small window there, uh, th that limits his innings as well. But um, he, he's garnering more innings which each uh, with each uh, outing. And that's that's certainly, certainly a positive sign for down the road. And, uh, and in answer to Mike's question, my, Mike Radford, who, who wrote in, 
yeah, I, I think Ryder Giles is assuming that number two role, and I think he's jumped into the rotation with both feet. I think he's all in, and I think he's giving the Pirates something they need right now, and that's a little little more uh, 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 solid uh, pitching in the starting rotation. Coach, uh, that, that very – when we're talking about the Coach Godwin loves to play a lot of players, doesn't that uh, barrel for us when it comes to regional time and potential super regional in Omaha? When you're talking about arms, I don't think people realize – um, how much of a toll it takes. And I don't know because I've never pitched in my life, but just seeing the injuries and these little bitty, you know, like nagging injuries, as they say. But uh, when you look at the the depth of the pitching, uh, that's that's going to uh, – it may not show right now uh, how deep we are, but when it gets to May, especially in June, um, I think that's going to play uh, well for us. Yeah, the, the innings uh, – as the innings – pile up uh the wear on the arm piles up as well but um at, at the same time we, we were talking about coach godwin liking to play a lot of players um look, look at a guy like starling right now who's, who's just now uh getting playing time as the season wears on then uh regardless of his classification whether he's a sophomore freshman whatever no he's not 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 as that year wears on because of the playing time that uh these guys all of these guys uh and I hate to keep mentioning the same ones, Jenkins, Cowart, and uh, and so forth. But the, these guys are not freshmen at the end of the year. Uh, they've got a year's experience, and 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 that uh, that really is a big factor as well. But pitching wise, yeah, the fact that Giles is only going four and a third, the fact that uh, uh, although Kuchmaner has gone seven on one occasion, uh, and he's probably been the longest this year, or I would think, I think Groves did go into the sixth one time. But uh, the fact that these guys are not throwing lengthy outings certainly keeps a fresh arm later in the season. Something else, Coach, um, that it's you know been a struggle at times this year in terms of you know not responding when the opponent scores. Um, but that's something that the Pirates did well this weekend, uh, Saturday and Sunday. Um, in that game on Saturday, I, I mentioned the four to nothing lead in the sixth after the. Jenkins Cowart home run. Cincinnati responds with two, and then the Pirates put up a run in the seventh. Cincinnati responded with two more, but then um, in a tight ball game, five to four there in the top of the ninth. Um, AMAC, who had a tremendous weekend, he had an RBI double. And then earlier, you mentioned that name, Jacob Starling. He's had three or four home runs here of late, and uh, he, he delivered a big blow to left field. And you're right about uh, responding. Bubba, the uh, uh, the old adage is that when a team scores, now is the time to answer. Not last inning, not next inning, but now. Uh, and that's uh, the the purpose behind that is to uh, to keep uh, to keep a little pressure, you might say, on the opposing team. In other words, uh, they can never get enough. They can never get things going whenever an answer is made. And uh, uh, pirates have done that. Uh, they didn't do it earlier in the year, but uh, now they're starting to do that just a little bit more. Uh, yeah, it, each of those guys. Now, one thing I want to say about AMAC and Lane, uh, Lane Hoover, those two guys, uh, when the Pirates needed it the most, uh, we, we talked about the NC State struggles of our offense, um, and we could go further back. Other than the, uh, the LeClaire tournament, 
Uh, we had several weekends where offense was anything we got would have been a a, a really a, a plus. But when the Pirates needed that shot in the arm, I called it earlier, uh, it seemed like Lane Hoover was the one who started it. AMAC, I think the term for him is he's been the most solid player we've had all year. He's been steady. He's not been down. Um, he has been up at times, but he, he's, he's not been down at any one particular time. He's provided the power as we we had Friday. I think two home runs on Friday, even though we lost. And uh, he's uh, uh, those two guys are what you would call a, a head coach likes to refer to them as the go-to guys. Um, uh, they're providing leadership on the field is what they're doing. Um, uh, it, it's not. There's nothing about leadership that's verbal. But instead, what these two guys are doing, uh, they're showing the way to a lot of these others. And you mentioned Jenkins, Cowart, and Starling, and and Clanch uh, was a, a name that I brought up. But yeah, yeah, they have someone to follow. They have someone that can lead, and uh, that that's why we saw the Pirates put up numbers yesterday, but bigger numbers today. And Amac, Coach, um, you know, here in just a few minutes, we'll talk about our. PGX Gloves player of the game or player of the week, I should say. And, you know, very nip and tuck there between Lane Hoover and AMAC. But uh, AMAC, I think, had six hits on the week, three doubles, two home runs that you mentioned. So uh, five of those six hits were for extra bases. And, and that's, that's the part of his game that's been impressive. Um, I, I want to say he's hitting like 283 at this particular moment, but uh, which is good, really good. But Amac's putting up extra base hit numbers. He, he's putting up power type numbers. Now he, he leads uh, the team in home runs, but that's irregardless uh, to the fact that uh, uh, the the doubles, uh, the RBIs, um, uh, the type of power that he's uh, possessing for this team, all all. Uh, vital or just as important as any high number of a batting average. And we heard Coach Goblin say at a press conference last year about uh, it may have been early on the seasons running together, as you can imagine, but talking about how he worked harder than anybody else on the team last year, talk, referring to AMAC. And I think that that started to see a development, more playing time for him last year. He's so versatile this year, playing more of a I, I would say, don't you think, uh, more of a starring role? I hate to use that term, but uh, for the team, a real leader looks like off the field. And you know that team better than I do and more of an inside scoop on it. But it just seems like that he's kind of taking charge, so to speak, in my opinion. Yeah, and, and Dave, you used the term uh, a starring role. Uh, and a starring role, the way he does it, is not one that's flamboyant in any way, shape, or form. It's not one that is – um, uh, let, uh, let me show you the stars instead, uh, we go back to a uh, solid effort or being the steady Eddie of the group. Um, uh, you're so right. Um, there's so many ways to be a leader and so many ways to, uh, to produce and his is not quiet, but at the same time, it, it's not like he wants to be the star of the show. He just is. So what you're saying, he's not like a Bryce Harper. <laughs> <laughs> no. No, not at all. <laughs> and coach, um, moving on to Sunday's game, Pirates, you know, you know, really um, did, did not receive the start they would have liked um, from Josh Groves and had an excellent outing 
a week ago, um, this week, um, not as good on um, two and a third um, through, through 68 pitches in, in that um, two and a third innings of work, three three runs all earned on four hits, four strikeouts, one walk. But uh, I was very impressed, and you, you referenced Trey Savage earlier. Man, um, not only does he throw hard, he, his, he has a very sharp breaking ball in your slider as well, and, and and uh, had those Cincinnati players fishing for some pitches in the dirt. Bubba, just before the season started, I had a chance to talk with Austin Knight just to get a feel for uh, how he liked his pitching staff and and uh, uh, what he saw with guys that I didn't know anything about, you Savage being one. And I remember the first uh, one of the first things he said about you Savage is, um, he will pitch for us. He'll pitch a lot for us, and he'll be far better down the road. And uh, he even used the term one time that his stuff uh, is good movement, um, outstanding sync with that movement. But uh, he, he even used the term that his stuff could be electric. And um, I, I think that speaks for uh, the way he is. Josh Rose today, you're right, um, based off his numbers, uh, it probably wasn't one of his best outings, and especially when he was pitching with the lead. But uh, I go back to the Cincinnati offense, and and those guys could hit. Uh, I think I think those guys they they really they were very aggressive with their swings, and uh, they, their mentality is just that. Now they have a very good head coach, Scott Guggins. I know he and Cliff Godwin are very good friends, but he's also an excellent coach, and uh, I think he's just run short on pitching this particular year, but uh, um, uh, no discredit to Josh Groves. I think he just ran into a pretty good hitting club. Yeah, no doubt. And uh, Pirates today um, got the early lead, as you mentioned, and just continued to tack on throughout the game, 12 runs on 18 hits. So uh, in the final two games of this series, 20 runs on 30 hits. Um, excellent to see after um, the bats uh, were not very good uh, against NC State in game one against Cincinnati. But, uh, you know, Lane Hoover um, is so consistent. Uh, Lane Hoover is hitting, I think, 383, 385, something like that after his five-for-six performance today. Has an eight-game hitting streak. And Lane Hoover is our PGX Gloves Player of the Week. Um, Lane, 10 out of 18, two doubles, three RBIs, five runs scored. Uh, He walked. A time, um, so reached base 11 out of 19 plate appearances, and um, just one strikeout. So that's something you can you can count on Lane Hoover uh, getting on base and um, you know putting the ball in play and making things happen. And uh, Lane Hoover, congratulations to him. He is our PGXGloves.com Player of the Week, and well deserved honor there as well. Uh, I will ask you this, uh, Bubba: Have you seen a player? that has more ways of getting on base than he? No question. He's uh, one of those guys that, as Bubba joins us again, uh, Coach was asking you, Bubba, have you seen a guy that can get on uh, base more ways than than Lane Hoover? Not many of them, Coach. Uh, I've heard some uh, – opposing um, opposing analysts, you know, make that comparison, you know, the way he'll uh, slap a ball um, – to the gap the way he did today and in that speed to um, really make it into second base and uh, turn it into a double relatively uh, relatively easily um, comparing him just talking about how there's a little bit of a Ichiro there. 
you know, uh, really interesting. That's a good comparison because um, he's a line drive ground ball hitter. I mean, there's no question about that, but he goes backside. And then, then uh, for a short period of time, and I'm not talking about every other at bat, but uh, he may go a couple of games and, and pull the ball in the right field corner. Uh, and we can go on and on about what he does with the bat, but uh, where he seems to make his living is up the middle. And that's followed by one word that you just used. He gets a lot of base hits. He gets on base a lot, and he actually takes extra base because of speed. He, and uh, having speed is one thing, but knowing how to use it is another. He uses it really, really well. I hear a lot of people talk about uh, him using the fake bunt and then trying to hit away, and and some think that he uses it too much. Uh, I, I think it's I think it's a moot point. I don't I don't think it matters because of what he can do with the bat when he does swing. And, and he's he, he's a hit collector and he's an on base guy. Uh, so anyway, I didn't mean to get off the subject on him winning the award for this week, but uh, well deserved on his behalf. No question. He's a guy that uh, we were talking about my son <laughs> before the show, but he's uh, definitely clutch. That's the kids use that term so much uh, these days in, in our culture. And uh, Lane, Lane Hoover is definitely clutch. Yeah. And so many times, you know, David, this is a term we haven't used much. I know after games, Cliff Godwin and I on a post game show, we'll, we'll talk a lot about base running. And, uh, uh, you know, we, we talk about defense a little bit, but uh, uh, really an emphasis on base running because the Pirates do it so well. First to third, second to home. Uh, they're really good uh, with that element of play. But, but Lane Hoover, uh, he takes it up a notch and uh, uh when you see him go first to second on a base hit into the outfield, uh, something's not right. Either that was a uh, that was a line shot, one hopper right at somebody, or uh, the Pirates were just so far behind or so far ahead that the running game was off. Because he he can um, he, he's going to take the extra base one way or the other. But uh, he he produces scoring opportunities and he puts a lot of pressure on the defense. Well, play today. I want to say there was a high hopper down the first base line. And he actually beat it out. Uh, that's uh, that's part of his game. That's part of his play too, uh, using speed uh, to put pressure on uh, uh, defenders in the infield. But yeah, a well deserved honor for him. And you talk about Lane Hoover, um, his ability to run the bases. Uh, there late in the game today, um, I guess the top of the ninth, the Pirates had already tacked on one insurance run. You know, and Coach Godwin was a little frustrated with Lane uh, when uh, when Ben laced that double into the right field corner. Ben Terwilliger, that is, uh, you know, what a tremendous story there. Uh, he, he, you know, he had uh, probably 25 at bats during his days at Barry, and then some during his uh, time at Maine as well. But uh, you know, you could sense the frustration. Lane realized his mistake as soon as he got gunned down at, at the plate. But uh, it's just one of those things, mistakes are going to happen. Oh, yeah. Yeah. And, and that's a part of aggressive base running. Absolutely. Uh, yeah. One term that coaches like to use is, uh, I think, an old term on a fly ball to the outfield is is to go halfway. Actually, the, the real term is go as far as you can go without being doubled up. And the same uh, in taking extra bases. Uh, when you're going first to third and the ball is in front, you're taking a chance. Sometimes you have to get thrown out. Uh, now, I know it's not a good thing, but sometimes you have to, to, to determine how far you can go or when you can go. 
um, because uh, giving up a chance to run sometimes is just as detrimental as being thrown out. Uh, if, if it's op- if the opportunity's there, take it. And uh, uh, you mentioned a mistake, Bubba. Yeah, probably so. But same time, might have been warranted. Pirates come out on top. It was warranted. And as far as our PGXGloves.com pitcher of the week, um, we've mentioned that name Ben Terwilliger a lot. Uh, ben had a solid outing, an inning and two thirds on Friday after not having pitched, and I think it was nine days going back to March 23rd. Uh, so it was nice to see him uh, do well then, and uh, that obviously gave Coach Godwin even more confidence to, to go with him today in that situation. Uh, you know, when the Pirates were struggling to get outs, he came in and was fantastic going two and two-thirds, allowing just one hit and uh, combined in those two uh, outings in relief, four and a third, no runs, one hit, five strikeouts, and uh, threw 65 pitches in a span of, uh, you know, three days there. And uh, that was the most he's thrown uh, in a three-game – or three-day stretch, you know, this this season, the most he had thrown previously combined in three games or, uh, you know, in two outings over three days, I should say, uh, was, I think, something like 42 or 43. Yeah, and, and the five strikeouts, but one hit in those four and a third innings, um, and and that with uh, without rest, um, again, two outings, um, very important. But going back to something we discussed earlier, and that was that uh, his uh, his appearance today was late in the game. That's different being uh, or, or putting up those numbers in the second, third, and fourth innings uh, versus the sixth, seventh, and eighth innings when the Pirates need it the most. So um, uh, a term you use, uh, Bubba, uh, he responded. There's no question about that. Uh, he he really stepped up. But I like Dave's term, and that is he was clutch today. He was uh, he was the man. Uh, he gave the Pirates the lift they needed. No question. You know what we talk about in sports all the time. In this particular case, baseball coach, it's next man up. So uh, who is going to be that guy? And I think he uh, obviously likes to hear his name in the PA system, right? Um, he likes to have his name called. Yeah, and and uh, credit to Ben, too. His first couple outings were pretty good. And um, then uh, the next couple of outings, he got hit a little bit. Now, he wasn't hit around a lot, not by any means, but but he was hit a little bit. And, and uh, what's really good is to see him uh, get the opportunity again in a, in a crucial situation and really respond in that situation. And that that's something I think that uh, those first two outings showed us uh, that uh, that type of Ben Terwilliger is there. In addition to uh, the offensive performances of Hoover, Jenkins, Cowart, and also AMAC, uh, we have not talked much about this guy, but um, Zach Agnos, he was clutch. Um, not only did he come in relief um, today, but he also had a couple of two-hit games against the Bearcats, uh, had a big triple today. I think that to lead off the ninth inning and uh, score that big insurance run that made it 12-10. to 10. And uh, you, you know Zach um, – you know, he's going to come through in the clutch and, uh, you know, he's um, he's a guy that's um, very reliable and so versatile. He can, he can play anywhere in the infield and, and has with the exception of first base. And um, he's uh, he's obviously um, you know, very comfortable coming in on the mound when you need him as well. 
and I asked the question about Lane Hoover, have you seen a guy that has more ways of getting on base? But uh, the question I have about Zach Agnos is this. Have you got? Have you seen a guy look so comfortable at all three infield positions? Most of the time, a third baseman is just that. He's a third baseman or second baseman. Maybe he lacks arm strength, so that's why he's not a shortstop. But Zach Agnos looks like he belongs at third base. He looks like he belongs at second, and he looks like he belongs at, at short. He, he's he really suited uh, for all three positions and looks very, very comfortable in all three. Um, now, that's a lot about his defense, and, and we know that as the seasons have unfolded, uh, each of his years here, uh, he's warmed up with the bat. Uh, maybe started a little slow, and that was the case this year, but has really warmed up with the bat of late. You mentioned the triple in the ninth inning today. Uh, so, yeah, I mean, Zach Agnos, he, he's, he has a lot, uh, and he has power. We know that. But uh, where AMAC has a little bit more, he's a steady player, much like AMAC has been. And then to call upon each of these guys, uh, Agnos particularly, to throw uh, and to be effective, uh, he, he's been good there as well. You know, I heard a couple of scouts say earlier in the year that last summer, Zach Agnos touched 93-94. And I knew I had not seen that. I said, no, he's he's 89. He's 88, 89. I, I guess he could touch 90, but not seen 93-94. And then this year, his first time out, he's 93. And since then, has actually touched 94 once. So, um, that's some arm strength that has developed over the last year, year and a half. And, and we all know that people do that uh, during the course of their careers. But uh, that's another answer as to why he is as good as he is on the infield. Short, second, third, he's very comfortable there. And that arm strength increase may make him more comfortable. Coach, do you remember when – when his brother Jake said that he was the better Agnos. I mean, for, for Jake Agnos to say that Zach was the best Agnos, um, that was a lot. But I think now we're starting to see that, that that as much as we love Jake, hey, Zach is doing very well. And like you said, uh, to play any position on the infield is impressive, but to do do all those positions, but he makes it look so easy. And it's not easy. I wish people could understand how hard and difficult uh, any position on the diamond is. Yeah. Uh, just uh, a few games ago, I can't recall the game. I want to say it was one of the VCU games. And now I know it was. But a play he made at third base when he crossed the line uh, had to take a couple of steps to regroup and and still the throw that he made across the diamond to, to, to get a runner uh, was exceptional. Um, and Dave, to answer your question, I, I remember very well hearing uh, Jake say what he said about Zach. He said, "He said I'm, I'm I love it here. I, uh, it's it's great. Um, uh, the fan support." And he said, "But you can say what you want about me. Zach Agnos is the real Agnos." And I remember that so well. Uh, or the better player, Zach is the better player. He said, uh, "I remember that so well." And I think back. And, and the words you use, Dave, yeah, I think part of what he meant was he can do so many more things than I can. I'm a left-handed pitcher. He can do so many more things, and he's good at all of them. 
Yeah, Coach O, you read my mind. Uh, I was going to mention that play that uh-huh. you just referenced against VCU on um, just the arm strength because he was five, six feet into foul ground um, um, to get a, you know, a decent VCU uh, runner from what I recall. And then the play he made, I guess it was today, or maybe actually maybe it was yesterday um, at shortstop, um, diving to his left up the middle and then quickly got to his feet and made a strong throw and the play was reviewed. I can't remember if the guy ended up be, being called out or not, but um, the Cincinnati broadcast team on ESPN plus, uh, they were raving over the play. Yeah. Uh, but uh, you mentioned crossing the line and, and, and we've seen him go to his left. I think one time earlier in the year, he went to his left and he alighted from the ground. Now he had to lay out to make the catch, but when he alighted, he was, it was like lightning quick and the ball was on the way to first base. It, it was, uh, I know that's uh, a tough way to describe it, but, yeah, and you had to see the play, but it was just phenomenal as, as to how he beat a good runner with a lot of room to spare. Coach, looking ahead to the upcoming week, um, Four game week for the Pirates. Um, have you have Old Dominion coming to Clark Leclair Stadium, and then a three game series with the Wichita State Shockers. Um, you were on hand up in Norfolk when the Pirates lost that heartbreaking uh, shootout. What, what was it like ten to nine, something like that, to the Monarchs here a few weeks ago? But uh, you know, tell us about Old Dominion and uh, what the Pirates are going to see on Tuesday. Well, uh, really interesting. Uh, not. Not exactly what we saw this weekend, but in a in a similar way, uh, Old Dominion is a uh, prolific hitting club and and with power. Um, but uh, Old Dominion is also a very weak defensive club. They don't they don't play defense very well. Now they can pitch, and uh, we mentioned uh, 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 we talked about um, closers relievers. Um, uh, one of the best in the country uh, is Noah Dean. Uh, we did see him for one inning, and he is he is uh, quite exceptional. A small guy, left-handed, kind of the Billy Wagner type for you guys and myself that remember him. A little small left-hander that throws very hard. But their offense, uh, uh, five home runs against us in Norfolk, uh, Austin Knight actually told me the next, a couple of days later that he thought a couple of those home runs were majestic. Um, uh, they can hit the long ball and they can hit it often. But um, at the same time, um, Pirates can score on them uh, because they're uh, compared to ECU, ECU a far better defensive club and they can give up runs uh, in that sense. But good club and a lot of returning players off a super regional team from last year. Uh, actually a super regional team that lost in the 10th inning or would have gone to Omaha. Um, and that was against Virginia last year. So uh, it, it's, um, it, it's a, a, a team that's somewhat fun to watch. Uh, you just hope they don't win the game, but um, as they did in Norfolk, then we move on to the weekend in Wichita state. Uh, I think we all know the history of Wichita state and uh, they too are pretty offensive um, in the sense that uh, uh, they can score runs. But um, uh, Eric Wedge has, has developed a, a professional mentality. He's a major league manager, as we all know, and uh, he instills a lot of professionalism in that club. 
and they don't play the raw, raw college game as much as they do a business-like approach. And um, uh, a really good team, uh, a, a team that uh, 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 has some big wins. It also has some some losses that they wish they could take back. But uh, uh, I think we're going to see through the course, Bubba, of uh, this conference season. I think we're going to see, like ECU saw this weekend, that there are many teams that are a lot of a lot alike. Uh, don't see anyone running away with the league this year. But yet uh, we see everyone with several victories uh, in their pocket. Um, Cincinnati showed the Pirates uh, this weekend uh, that they're they're somewhat of a force. And, and I think Wichita State falls into that mode, too. So uh, when we break down the league and as we do that over the year, uh, when we see teams play, we're going to look back and say, you know what, there were there were many teams in this league that were a lot alike. Some had strength on the mound. Others had strength strength with the bat. And then then you have your speed and defense teams. And and that's in the league as well. But but yeah, there's there's some good baseball in, in the American, but it's also very balanced. And and I think when Wichita comes in, we'll see another uh series like that. And coach, they uh they literally today, Bubba, they uh had seven home runs at FIU today. Old Dominion did, by the way, guys. And uh, they had a run rule. It was 18 to five. Uh, amazing how uh, they had a similar week as they lost to Campbell at home and then went on the road and they lost the first game of the series to FIU. And guess what? They won the next two, just like we did uh, against Cincinnati. That's ODU. So just want to mention that to uh, folks that uh, definitely a great team. And uh, it's going to be, uh, Hey, here on out there's as the fans have found out, uh, and, and going back to one final point I wanted to make tonight. Sorry, Bubba. I know we're, we're uh, running close to the end of the show. Uh, Coach Godwin schedules his t- uh, team uh, with the schedule. He makes it very difficult on purpose. And uh, I know that Bryant's schedule, uh, people can argue about Bryant, but you look at all the, the teams we're playing right now, uh, we're going to definitely do – I think you're going to look at a lot of these teams. We're going to make a regional and or super regional. Who knows? NC State and some others may make uh, Omaha again. Yeah, Dave, you, you could throw a few more in there too. Maryland, the top 15 club right now. Yep. Yeah, no doubt. And um, a little more information on the Shockers. Um, the Shockers um, really struggled the first couple weekends against a very good schedule, you know, much like the Pirates. Um, but the Shockers, they had a three-game series at Louisiana Tech which was a regional host a season ago, uh, then a game at Oklahoma. Um, they had a game at Texas State, which is currently in the top 20, and, um, you know, playing very well, uh, some tremendous wins for Texas State. Uh, so they started off 0-6, but since have been 12-9, and like Coach O said, have some wins over Big Ten and SEC competition. They beat Texas A&M down in Frisco. And uh, this weekend, they, they did drop two out of three to Houston, uh, winning four to nothing in game one um, before losing the, the final two against the Cougars at Houston, five to three and four to three. So a very competitive series there. And I would certainly expect the same this weekend um, as Eric Wedge's ball club comes to Clark LeClaire. Um, but taking a look at the American scoreboard, uh, in addition to uh, – you know, the Pirates, 
now being two and one, Cincinnati one and two, as I just mentioned. Uh, Houston is two and one. Wichita State is one and two. You had Tulane sweep Memphis, uh, which was not all that surprising, even though it was on the road. And then um, you also had UCF. Um, this was a little surprising that they swept uh, South Florida. South Florida, as I had mentioned uh, last week on the show, um, pretty soft schedule for the Bulls, even though they did have a quality club a season ago and uh, high expectations this year. But um, the Knights were able to take all three. Yeah, South Florida is, is, is a club that uh, a lot of returning players, too, off of that uh, strong finish they had last year. But uh, UCF? Um, some big wins, uh, actually beat Miami, I think one time, but anyway, uh, uh, to see them sweep, uh, South Florida was a little bit of a surprise and, and that was to be the, the series this past weekend, to, uh, uh, of two teams that were to make a lot of noise. So yeah, to see a sweep in that little, little surprising. Richard Al Richard Osbrook chimed in, Coach, on Facebook um, with today's game being a four-hour and 40-minute, nine-inning ball game. Uh, what is the longest game uh, that you remember being a part of? Well, uh, I can remember in some nine-inning games being close to four hours. I don't remember it playing in one or being a part of one uh, beyond four. Uh, but uh, you see something like today, uh, they don't get much longer than that. And uh, – uh, not not a nine inning game. Now the uh, the longer extra inning games, that's a different story. Yeah, twenty two runs, thirty one hits, probably at least three or four reviews, if not more. And then um, between the two teams, sixteen pitchers used. So uh, that will equate to four hours and forty minutes. <laughs> yeah, yeah, and, and in some ways uh, that was. Uh, I don't know the word to use or whether to say that was quick, but uh, I think, uh, Bubba, you and I texted this afternoon and uh, three-hour mark, we were in the fifth inning. We were halfway through in the fifth uh, – three innings. I mean, fifth inning. No question about it. And that's the that's the beauty of the game, though, right, Coach? There's uh, – you have good days and bad days, and there's uh, – not every single day is going to be the same, just like not every single – ball game is going to be the same this case with baseball and i love the not to get off on a tangent but i love the fact that just everything is that you don't know what to expect and so today's game we're talking about it now because it wasn't a ho-hum game it was exciting and lead changes and it was uh maybe not uh, if you love defense maybe it was not your day um but uh certainly very proud of the pirates and hey they got the they got it done, and uh, we we got two out of three. We won the series, and let's move on. And uh, again, we may see in May and June that uh, we're looking back, like you talked about, that uh, this was the start of something. You never know. We've got another uh, great comment here from Craig, by the way. Oh, went the wrong. There we go. What a great weekend of wins! ECU takes the series, and I take uh, the the sports subjective bracket challenge. Let's go. Uh, so we have that going on with the NCAA tournament, which is basketball. But uh, thank you, Craig, so much for participating in that. And you're, I'm sorry, I keep doing that. I'm trying to get off off of that off of that comment uh, from Craig. But anyway, we're we're proud of uh, certainly the Pirates and and what they're doing with us. I tell you, looking forward to a great week, Coach. Do you have anything before we go? 
No, just uh, looking forward to the, the Pirates getting on a roll. And I think that can happen at any time. And I think they've proved that. Uh, all the pieces are coming together. Coach O, I did have um, one th final thing for you, actually. And this is from a Pirate Al, Alan Powell on Facebook. Um, he said that Coach Godwin isn't a big uh, transfer guy necessarily. But, um, you know, what are your thoughts on our starting rotation? And we talked about starters not going very deep into ball games, And, you know, Pirate Al is afraid of the, the impact that's going to have on our bullpen. Well, uh, but – it may have an impact, but at the same time, uh, there's a lot of depth in that bullpen, and there are a lot of good arms in that bullpen. So um, the way it's being used right now, I think, is a plus uh, because uh, Dave and I brought that out earlier in the show about how it can be better down the road. Um, uh, yeah, we're using pitchers frequently, but uh, not for uh, lengthy outings and, and uh, not to the point where it's going to affect uh, the wear on the arm. No question about it, Coach, and the very fact that when you don't have – I don't care what anybody says. When you don't have Wilson Hunt, uh, it wasn't a case of an injury. I, I do play – I we talked about chemistry, uh, identity of a team. I think they were expecting to have that Friday night guy, the lights-out guy. Look at the way that he played against in the Super Regional against two of the best players, uh, probably you say ever, but certainly at, at Vanderbilt. Think that we were going to have him, and then, oh, by the way, nope. We're not going to have him. I, I do think that plays a big part of the confidence of the team. And I think that uh, the great news is these guys are stepping up, as we talked about, um, and next man up. And I think that uh, we talked about, we've talked about how the pitching was going to be a strength of this team. And I think that, and I think the biggest part that we've had is we just haven't had the run production. You and I were talking about runners and scoring position uh, earlier, especially in the season, uh, times when, we're getting hits. We're just not putting it all together. But I think that it comes down to experience. And I think that over time, uh, Jenkins Coward, a lot of these guys are young and uh, they have the talent, um, but experience down the line is going to play a big part uh, at the end of the season. And one thing to add to your, your comments about pitching, Dave, not to mention that when you lose a guy like Wisenhunt, everyone moves up a, a step. Two is one. Three is two, four is three. Now every, it affects every player. You're taking a step forward that maybe you're not ready for just yet. Later in the season, yes, maybe not right now. We mentioned the Pirates don't have a number one guy. They don't have a Friday night guy. But at the same time, um, as they are stepping forward, next guy up, um, they're assuming these roles better and better with each outing. No doubt about it. And as you see there on the screen for folks on tuned in on YouTube and Facebook, again, Pirates this week, Tuesday at 6.30 at Clark LeClaire against Old Dominion, uh, a ranked Old Dominion team. And then um, you have Wichita State, the Shockers coming to town this weekend, 6.30 on Friday, 4 o'clock on Saturday, and the series finale will be on Sunday at 1. Obviously, you also have the spring game taking place and also Pirate Fest, right, guys? So, uh, Tremendous weekend, a lot of entertainment and things to do. Uh, get out to Dowdy Ficklin Stadium, the, the pigskin pig out, and then also um, 4 o'clock on Saturday, the ball game. And, Coach, will you be pulling your hair out with everything going on with all the being your, the, like, the head of operations at, at Greenville uh, this weekend? 
Well, there, there'll be a lot going on. That's for sure. And uh, softball, baseball, uh, the spring game, but uh, we've had that for a few weekends now. So we're used to it. Well, it's not your first rodeo, you're a pro and definitely not a rookie uh, to say the least. And Alan Vick said this was a huge series win this weekend. I think looking back at the end of the season, we're going to see that this weekend was the really important, uh, was really important going forward. I agree with you, uh, Alan Vick, a tremendous person, a good friend of mine and a great broadcaster. He uh, definitely seen a lot of pirate games in his day, uh, certainly as well. Thank you, Coach. I know we've gone a little bit over time, but I appreciate you so much. Also your time in the green room catch up and, Look forward to a great week with the Pirates, and uh, we'll see how it uh, wraps up at the end of the week. Thanks so much, guys. Hope you have a great night. Thanks, Coach. Thank you. No doubt great to have Coach on with us tonight as we have another great outing uh, here. And I want to remind you, fans, Next Level Training Center, uh, we appreciate uh, Coach coming on. Next Level Training Center is uh, been there. It's Eastern North Carolina's premier baseball and softball training facility. You can go online to nextleveltc.com or call them 252-756-NEXT. That's 756-6398. Give Trent Brett and Gaynell Brett a call. They're excellent. They take good care of my kids. I can speak for uh, from my experience. They have coaches, trainers, different people there. They'll take care of your kids. And not just because it's me. Uh, there's hundreds of there on a week, at least a weekly basis. And Bubba, I wish you a little closer. I know that you would have Riley and Reese there as well. Oh, no doubt. Um, you know, Riley um, has visited a similar facility or facilities in this area, both for baseball and, um, you know, the, a basketball equivalent of that. But um, Trent and Gaynell do a tremendous job and really appreciate their support of the program. One final thing I did have, Dave, okay. um, before we get out of here, uh, remember, folks, uh, tomorrow, Monday, April 4th. Um, so if you're listening to this right now live or if you listen to it archived between now and 5 o'clock on Monday, be sure um, to go ahead and get those East Carolina football season tickets. You can, of course, order season tickets all the way up to the season. So uh, don't think if you don't get them by tomorrow that you can't get season tickets. And most people realize that. But um, if you want them um, in the benefit of your Pirate Club priority, so you kill two birds with one stone, if you haven't gone ahead and joined the Pirate Club, uh, do that first and then call 1-800-ECU and get those season tickets ordered. Seven home games packages as low as $125. So uh, as you see there on the screen, you can go to ecupirates.com or call 1-800-DIAL-ECU uh, to place your 2022 uh, football season ticket order. And Bubba, I have uh, on a sad note, we lost a pirate. I haven't had a chance to talk to you. Um, someone that was uh, from Martin County in Williamston. He, uh, he was a coach here for many, many years, athletic director, and that's Herbie Rogers. He uh, passed away on Friday. Very sad situation. Uh, we lost him. So uh, great pirate. I appreciate everything he did. Obviously graduating from ECU and also for all that he's done for his hometown and uh, county and community. Uh, Herbie Rogers will be uh, really missed. Want to dedicate tonight's program. He was a great coach for football and volleyball later in his uh, career. He's very good. And uh, of course, baseball. He was a tremendous baseball coach here a player as well. So we're going to miss Herbie Rogers. And I wanted to mention that before we went out tonight, uh, Herbie is going to be missed greatly. All right. I want to thank coach Gary Overton very much for all that he does for us and uh, for ECU. 
Thank you, Bubba, my friend. I appreciate you very much for all that you do for the program, producing and all the booking, everything behind the scenes and on air as well. All right, until next time, don't forget Extra Innings is every weekend on Sunday nights. And you've been watching and listening to Extra Innings brought to you by Next Level Training Center in Greenville. And it's all been right here on the Sports Objective. Good night, everybody, and go Pirates. That concludes this week's edition of Extra Innings, presented by Next Level Training Center on the Sports Objective. Join us next Sunday night as we will once again talk East Carolina Pirate Baseball. Be sure to follow the show on social media, at the Sports OBJ on Twitter, at the Sports Objective on Instagram. Like and follow our Facebook page and subscribe to our YouTube channel. Listen to the show pretty much anywhere podcasts are found. As always, we appreciate you tuning into the show. Go Pirates!